2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death of Life podcast. I'm Richard Young. And today's episode is with my guy, Ryan Millsap. And Ryan and I uh, were born on the same day, a few years apart. We talk about that a little bit. Um, Ryan and I have been friends for a while. And when you hear this story... A lot of it is just kind of personal for me because of just the journey. And there may be some some inside baseball stuff in this where Ryan and I are reminiscing about the times of old. But to hear his story, I mean, his story resonates with so many people um, who know everything there is to know until they don't know it. And... uh I love this guy. He's always had this heart. Um, no, he didn't have this heart in the beginning. He was confused at first, but to see his heart when uh, we we worked together for a while, I'll just, you know I'm not going to step on this podcast. I want you to hear this podcast and and hear my guy out, and hear what uh, Jesus has done in his life, in his heart, and how he's been changed. Uh, we keep on doing the, the Death of Life Bible study Tuesdays at 1.30 Central. Uh, hit me up for the link to that. Um, you know, we're coming close to the end of this season of Death of Life podcast. I think this is episode, I think this is 44, if I'm not correct. And we're going to do, uh, we're going to go to 48 before we start taking a break. Um and there'll be some other stuff coming up, so there's always going to be content. But Death to Life podcast, uh, we're going to take a break after 48 of them, which uh, some of y'all, some of y'all go know good and well you haven't listened to all 48. You know who I'm talking to. You need to go back and listen to them. Nola, come here. You need to come listen and, and, and go back to the ones that you may may not have heard. Uh, Nola, come here, baby. Come here. Say you should listen to the podcast. Say it. Yeah. Just say listen to the podcast. 
John, John, come here, big boy. <laughs> Say, listen to all 48. Listen to all 48. Don't complain. I'd say that. Say, say, don't complain. Don't complain. Nola, do you want to do you want to say something, girl? Also, uh, don't let your children listen to this podcast. Um, why? Why? Because there's adult themes, baby girl. Can you say, John? John, can you say adult themes? Adult themes. That's right, big boy. All right. With all that said, and with my babies giving a little bit of intro, let's jump into this podcast. Buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Bro, we've been, and when I say we, I've been circling this podcast, and we it was just a matter of time, wasn't it, before uh, the birthday before boys had a, had a podcast? Yeah, yeah, you, you had to have some more interesting people on the podcast before before I came through. <laughs> That's whack, bro. Um, <laughs> this is the first podcast that I am recording in my new home. I was just about to ask you. I was like, hopefully we can chop it up before we start the podcast. But you're, I, don't, I haven't don't. heard it from your mouth. Do you remember those bookshelves right there? I do, absolutely. And that same picture hanging above it. Yeah, I got a book over here that's your favorite book. I'm going to grab it. Hold on. <laughs> oh, I maybe threw it away. I don't know why you would. That's the best book in the world. I think I threw that book away, dude. Um, Bro, you know what's wild? The exact same setup. From 2015, your bookshelf has moved like three different times, and it looks exactly the same. I have way more books now. I threw a lot away a lot of books. But dude, man, um, we have spent quite a bit of time with each other, and I feel like we both had a really good view of each other's death like that we thought we were alive um maybe you didn't see like the full full story of me because i'm not sure if you knew i'm not sure how much i knew natalie and i were were struggling um Str- honestly struggling no but i definitely could see how in any normal relationship your end of the of the marriage probably wasn't sustainable. I I, I saw that. What do you mean? Like I didn't see how hard I was going, or like, what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, just from 
from spending the time with you in your guys' apartment, watching games, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But just seeing the interactions here and there, I was like, Richard needs to be a better husband. <laughs> I was like, honestly, God bless Natalie. She is doing the Lord's work. No, man. It, it was all her fault. I think we've come to realize. That the <laughs> yeah, I listened to her podcast and that's 100% correct. Dude, yeah, yeah. That's what I get after I listen to her podcast. We were just lying in bed and we were listening to it and I was just like, dang, so this is really all your fault. But this isn't about me, dude. This is about mm-hmm. you. Sorry. And mm-hmm. uh, man, the the Ryan Millsap that I met I really only got to know you when you were a freshman at Union. But I feel like there's some death from, like, when do you feel like as you're becoming a young man and you're coming into your own and you're starting to understand a little bit of this and a little bit of that, when you're kind of a little knucklehead but you're coming out of your knucklehead phase, like, and I'm just thinking, like, sophomore in high school, Millsap, like, who was this dude? Talk to me about this dude and his motivation, the way he operated. Talk to me about old Ryan. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know necessarily where it came from. Um, maybe I do. Maybe it starts with my whole life I had been hanging out with um, my brother older brother and my older cousin's friends. So we usually were, we had a lot of time growing up together um, in Florida where I was born. And then in Colorado, we had, I was with my brother the whole time, obviously, but my cousin lived there for maybe like four, five years out of the nine that we lived there. Mm -hmm. And I was always hanging out with older people. Um, And so I was always trying to look, I always had a lot of pride in the fact that I seemed older than what I was. Um, Mm. Like I was hanging out with older people. I was doing older, older, older kid things, you know? Um, And so a lot of my identity was shaped in um, a lot of my identity was shaped in how cool I could be, I guess. How, how cool, cool to was. you was like intelligent and mature. That was, so, that was cool. so there was a, there was a couple, there was two things I think that like really, I put my staked my identity on women, right? Like I looked cool. If I could, if I could get a lot of, if I could get a lot of girls, if I could, if I could pull the girls, I, I was cool. But also another part was how intelligent people saw me. So it was all like my, my identity was definitely all based on other people's perceptions of me. Right. Like that was really, I think the pretty much the biggest part. Um, and I actually just the other day, like I is when I realized that I was watching that, um, love reality clip of Jonathan talking about lies and stuff like that, writing them down. And I was like, yeah, God, like what, what is this? Like, what, what was it? Um, and one of the lies that popped into my head was my identity was based on other people's perception of me. When did that start to like manifest itself the most where you could like really see it? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, or not really see it. Like you probably didn't know, but yeah, but definitely in high school, man, I, I had a lot of people that loved me and a lot of people that hated me. Um, because if you got to know me, you, you knew that I wasn't like an actual a-hole, but when you didn't know me, all you saw was this dude who was, I was about debating all of the time. Like I wanted to show you how smart I was. And so we would debate all of the time. And my identity was definitely based on that. Like I was just constantly getting into debates with people. It got to the point for sure. I started to get tired of it. Um, people were just, every single thing that I said was an automatic fight with everybody. Um, whether I was trying to, or I wasn't like, I was just like legitimately just sitting in opinion. I was just like, Hey, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really like that song, but that's my opinion. They're like, Oh yeah. Well, well, whatever. Right. Like it was just, it's just a quick fight just because I was debating so much, um, all the time that it just really, was not what other people were about. And my family has always been about it. Like we always are arguing, but we're always yelling at each other, but not in a way that we're angry. Um, We're just always disagreeing in a very, to me in a great way. And we always yell at each other, but we're always making jokes the whole entire like debate and argument that we have. We're always cracking, like cracking jokes and making each other laugh and stuff. Were you Um, winning these debates in high school with these like, like, people are just like ah i really think that one direction is better than than backstreet boys and you're like nah fam yeah i come and be like no kanye west is the best thing that ever happened to us um no i there was i think one thing um was we our senior year we had a 10 page paper but it was on a debate like it was on a debate topic and so two people researched and wrote 10 pages on one side of the topic um and we drew names to see who we would who we would debate with mm-hmm. and the person that drew me everyone was just like ah <laughs> like this guy this dude who drew me was just like oh my gosh i can't believe i have to like debate against ryan blah 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 and everyone's just like oh that sucks um so it was more it wasn't like oh he's gonna crush you with his rapier wit and his it was more like oh this guy no i i mean he he legitimately said which honestly i don't I had so much pride. I didn't understand why somebody would really say something like why somebody would actually show that they were going to lose or that they were like, that somebody was better than them. So he was like, Oh, I'm going to lose blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, yes, firstly, but secondly, why, why would you admit that? Like, how, how do you even have the strength to admit that somebody is better than you? Um, yeah. So you were super confident. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely felt like there was a lot of times where it would be anger though. Like a lot of times the debate just like really turned, um, not great at the end of the day, anybody who I debated, we never were actually against each other. Um, we always loved each other. It was always my friends, but there was like one time that I got into a debate with my best friend at the time and I legit was just so angry and somebody like it was this dude and me and we were debating and somebody usually it was me against the world like right that was it was me debating and everybody was against me they would do what they could just to, just to be against me and i finally this my friend was just not backing down but i could have sworn that i was right 
And somebody said something that kind of agreed with me. And I was like, ha. And like, I just naturally went for like a slap in the face to try to like scare him because I was upset. But I legit slapped the guy. Like, (laughs) I did. did, Like, I was so heated. I slapped him. And he was just like, bro, that's it. It it was, it didn't like end our our friendship, our relationship or anything. But it was just like, who was this person? Jonathan. Jonathan Alou. <laughs> oh yeah, I know that dude. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, yeah, so you were debating uh confidence. Um wh- who was God to you? High school. Yeah, so I mean, with God, I had there had always been something that was kind of interested in God, but I was what you would have called a bad Adventist, aka a bad Adventist. Um and <laughs> I mean, anybody who, who this is your first listen to this podcast, maybe possibly just so you know, uh, there's lots of people who talk about Adventism, maybe listen to some of their stuff and then, and then come back to this one. Um, but I was always still kind of interested. Like I remember there was one time before high school where one of my friends threw a Bible and I was like, what are you? I was like, what? And I was like, mad offended. Um, but in high school, my freshman year, I started to date this girl and she had done, um, coal porting, right? Like this, it's a summer ministry where she was, the Iowa, Missouri conference, MAGA booking, right? Um, so if you're listening to this and you're not Adventist, it's where you go sell books about spirituality to people. You disguise them as like, this is a book about living healthy, but it's really a book about Jesus. Or like, this is a history book, but it's really the history of the Christian church. And uh, if you're a G, you can sell a lot of them and make some money so you can go to college or something. Am I right? Did mm-hmm. I explain yeah, it pretty it, well? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a summer ministry type thing. Um, anyway, so I was dating this girl and I started to really fall for her. And over that freshman year summer... Um, yeah, over that freshman year summer, she did MAGA booking, coal porting, and all of her leaders were like, "You gotta put, you gotta put that relationship on the back burner. Put that relationship on the back burner. You gotta focus on God, focus on God, focus on God." And I was like, and so she was telling me all this, and like this, our relationship was coming to an end because of this ministry thing. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, because of that, I was like, God help me help me keep this relationship and so i started to spend time with god because i wanted to keep that relationship and i was like well he's the key i guess um and so then i started to to spend time with god but eventually it got like it definitely became less of i'm doing it for the reason of keeping my relationship and i'm just doing it because it's right i know it's right and i and i prayed and i read my bible most days out of the week because I knew it was right. Like that's what it had turned to was Mm. I knew logically this was the right thing to do. And I knew that I should just be doing this. So as time goes on, um, that never stopped definitely for the wrong reasons. Like it was not in the right place. It was not because I had a love for God. It was simply because logically I knew, boom, this is, this is the right thing to do. I need to do this. And you're in a Christian school and yeah. And so eventually Um, I, it, my, for some reason I was just 
drawn to religious conservatism. Um, and so the school definitely played a part in that. Um, the people who I was closest to played a part in that. I just became um, religiously conservative. You know, I'm, I come with a Hispanic background. My mom, her family, they're Hispanics. And if you know anything about Hispanic Adventism, it can definitely be pretty conservative. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just the way that it is. Um, so were you conservative with how you were actually living your life? Nah. Nah, I wasn't. Because like I said, women was a huge part of my identity. I needed, I needed women. Like that was how I got whatever affirmation or, um, so I would, I would fool around with women. Um, I so think what, that like, what was the most, I don't know, far, I don't know if the word conservative is the right word. Um, what was the strongest belief that you had that was on one side on opposite side of like you're fooling around with girls? Like, and I'm like, like some people are completely vegan or if you listen to a previous podcast, like Diego talks about, like he wouldn't wear a belt. He was just wearing suspenders because Ellen White said wear suspenders. I'm not like, were you like against re like describe this conservatism to me? To be honest with you, I think my conservatism definitely came from, um, I mean, I don't know exactly like where, but I wouldn't say that I had something that was crazy, um, anything like that, but I definitely got to a point where, you know, I wasn't going to the movies, um, cause angels don't follow you there. You know what I'm saying? Couldn't, couldn't do that. Uh, and I was just very traditional, like for me, conservatism was definitely, tradition was like right there i remember there was a i was having a debate with my dean um and he was like okay so what do you think about chairs in the in the church sanctuary rather than pews and i was like i don't even know why i was just dead set on no way it's got to be pews it's, it has to be pews you didn't like, even have an opinion say what you didn't really have an opinion and he's just like what do you think about chairs you're like chairs you're going to hell if you have chairs in your sanctuary <laughs> write it down you all people are crazy and that was like the first time you had ever thought about it yeah no i i think i think i had seen it before but legitimately dude like anything that seemed to be the way that these like that traditional churches did it that was that was for sure the way and i don't even know why i just strongly believed that these traditions were were it and so i think that's where like most of my conservatism came was that it was just tradition 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 and this is tradition like determined your holiness like how and you know all this like working to do this you got to do this and but i don't think anything was wild like i could only eat granola you know or whatever whatever it is i think like when the term conservative is used in in politics or in in the church it's it's like a conservation of the old mm-hmm. it's like the and a lot of it is really good it's like the old brought us here like the constitution like that's what we really care about it's like we need to conserve these things of who we are and if you look in the term liberal um 
there's also really great ideals behind that. Like there's great ideals behind both of them at their, at their ideal. Mm-hmm. I said they're great ideals. They're great ideas behind both of them at their mm-hmm. purest. Um, but what tends to happen, and I'm going to guess this happened to you because you're believing in the old way, but your life isn't lived in the old way. Were you super judgmental? <sighs> yeah 100 yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely how did that look what did that look like i mean to be honest with you so it's crazy i wouldn't if i did something if i was if i was partaking in something i wouldn't judge other people for doing that same thing um you know like i had no problem with other people fooling around with girls uh i wouldn't i wouldn't say anything to them um but they better not just, sit in a chair in the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, but no, legitimately, dude. <laughs> no, 100%. I think to me, it wasn't about your actions. It was about what you believed, right? Like, you, I understand we all believe that it's not right to do this. And so that's all I can credit you for, right? Like, at the very least, at least you believe that the right thing to do is not mess around with girls. But while we're at it, how was this one person or how did that go or do this like blah, 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 or check this out. I just did this. Um, Would you boys actually talk about how you didn't think it was right, what you were doing, or did you just skip over that part? I think we skipped over. I think it, I think it wasn't. No, I don't think, I don't think that that was, that that was um, talked about. We, which is funny. Like in, in high school, I was also a part of a, like I was, viewed pretty religiously i think on campus um in high school i was in like religious clubs i was a i i mean i was a religious leader to to an extent um but not everybody knew what i was doing i mean everybody knew that i was messing around with this but i definitely wouldn't i guess that's the thing is i I saw it as this wasn't something that i was necessarily um doing on purpose it was my it was my vice right and so i i I could control whether i went and partied and did drugs and and drank so i never did any of those things right like by the time i got i got like quote unquote serious with god um i didn't do those things but i mean lust was my vice and so there was low-key i definitely felt judged by god for it but low-key like i couldn't help it i liked it and i was going to continue doing it this sounds super confusing. Like, no, absolutely. Were you super confused? Or what was like I, the black and white of it? The black and white of it was like, I can't really help myself because like everybody's going to do this and I'm going to do it. But I'm also like, I'm going to fake the funk when I'm up front talking about God. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, like, I never felt um saved i never felt confident in my in my standing with god um but i guess i probably just didn't i just didn't think about it all that much quite yet um i was just like on one hand it just seemed like they were almost separated maybe you know like on one hand i was spending time with god and i think to me the most important thing was spending time with god um and I was doing that, you know, at times, sometimes I couldn't. And I would like, I, that, that was like the most guilt I ever felt as whenever I wouldn't spend time with God. Um, and I really told myself 
I really, really told myself that um, if I didn't spend time with God, my day was going to be horrible, right? Like bad things would happen. And I would always be like, I didn't spend time with God this morning. Um, That was the big thing. But with, with, you know, women and stuff like that, I just think that I was low key kind of able to separate the two and not think about it all too much. Hmm. So you're going along through high school and then you're thinking about, you know, when, whenever you would really mess up, like not just the fooling around or maybe the fooling around more than you wanted to, or like, how would you deal with all of that? Like, did you live condemned? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I can't say, I mean, right now, I don't remember how I felt in regards to the condemnation, but like I said, I definitely wasn't confident in my standing with God. I definitely felt condemned. It was always a moment by moment thing. Um, Like, oh, I spent time with God. I'm good this day. Like I, I just had to check the boxes off for those daily things to be a good Christian. Um, And if those boxes weren't checked, then, you know, at that time, maybe I wasn't really right with God. Like just completely frank. Uh, you know, for possibly young years, don't listen to this, but, um, I remember I would tell myself if this was my last, like if I was going to die in an hour, what would I do? And in my head, I was always like fool around with women 100%. And then I was like, but no, because then if that was the last thing you did before you died, then you wouldn't go to heaven. So I was always at like this, it was always like this conversation honestly would come up in my head probably once or twice a year. And so I was just like, no, you're, but then you wouldn't go to heaven because you know, you, you weren't forgiven for those things. Or at that time you weren't holy, you weren't whatever. And I was always just like, so it was always like a back and forth. If I messed up, I'm definitely not, definitely not with God, definitely not saved, but I just spend time with God and boom, I'm good. Ask for forgiveness, spend time with God, boom, I'm good. Hmm. So what what was your plan on like did you just think that this was going to be your struggle that this is this is life and it's kind of going to be your struggle? Yeah, absolutely. I I think so. Like that it was definitely Yeah. I mean, I couldn't really see past it to be honest with you. Um I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't really see past it. It was just, that wasn't, that was what I loved and that was who I was. And I think to a certain point, it, it eventually got to the point where I knew that that could no longer be a thing where that was not going to, that wasn't going to work. Um, but in high school, no, nah, I, I only thought about winning arguments, looking smart and getting women. Um, what or, else? I mean, when I say, when I say getting women, I, I will say that I was, deadly loyal to uh my girlfriend like i i'm specifically talking about fooling around whether it's with one woman whether it's with multiple i mean whatever but fooling around yeah so uh what did you decide that you wanted to do with your life so you know as time's going on i'm spending more time um you know trying to be this religious leader so i get to high school and, or I'm sorry, I, I, it's like, I graduate, 
And I'm with another girlfriend who is definitely ultra conservative, family ultra conservative. I learned a lot from them in conservatism. And um, so I'm like really good with these ideals. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is cool stuff. And by the time I graduate, it's the summer and I'm like, God, I don't want to continue living this way. This is wrong. Hmm. And I know that. And I, when I get to college, I want to be different. I want to be a person that people can actually look to in order to live a, a godly life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm praying like every day, God do this, God do that. Like, just do this for me. Help me, help me turn my life around. And one day in my like heart, I just feel this huge passion. And my mom, when I graduated or no, when I got baptized my sophomore year in high school, Mm -hmm. when I got baptized, my mom had given me this book by Mark Finley. Uh, I think it's called revive us again. Little book. I mean, I don't, I haven't read it. I haven't read it in quite some time. Um, but it was super dope when I read it and I had, I had been suggesting it to people for years afterwards. Right. And I had, I had gotten that book from my mom and I found it chilling in like on a bookshelf at, um, at home and I had been given a steps to Christ. And so I was reading these books simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Um, and it did like it legitimately, I for sure 100% know that that was God answering my prayer with that. Like I asked for him to change how I was doing things and to change my, um, I guess, passion for him because, you know, I was doing things only because it was right. I would always tell everybody like I'm doing, I do this because this is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Um, when I had prayed this prayer, things had changed. I started reading steps of Christ and revive us again simultaneously. And it just like changed everything. And I remember <laughs> I, I told you that, that my girlfriend at that time, by the time I graduated, she was religiously conservative and, but I didn't really ever know if she spent time with God. Right. And so then I get this like fire and I'm like, I'm not going to say your name. I'm like, Hey, girlfriend of mine, you've got like, please, tell me you have a relationship with God. Please tell me you have a relationship with God. Like, and I, I just remember just being like really, um, really fired up about it. And I remember her response was so deflating. Um, cause you know, if you ever interview her, she, she definitely had pride. Um, she definitely had pride. And so she, she did not take that well. She didn't take it well for me what to come she at say? her. Be, like, she, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, um, yeah, I I'm, I'm good. Don't worry about me. Like calm down. Something, something to that effect. Um, and I was like, and I knew that I was going to, that that was going to be how she came off because I would have done that. If somebody would have, would have asked me or come at me the same way that I came at her, mm-hmm. I definitely would have done the exact same thing. So I was low key expecting it, but I really wasn't wanting, I was really hoping that something that she would respond better and be like, wow. Yeah. Like let's, let's do Bible studies together or something like that, you know? Um, Dude, I remember I was reading, I think I was reading a Morris Vendon book 
I don't know when it was. It was, but I think I was sitting in Buell's office one day. And like the revelation of this book was all that matters is devotionals. Like devotionals Mm -hmm. is it. Time spent. And this is, it might have been It's Who You Know, which um, is, I mean, we could talk about that later, but I was like, it's devotionals. And so I had to put that on everybody else. And Buell's office is like right next to Campus Ministries. And so I'm just sitting in there and I'm like, hey, y'all, we're tripping if we're not doing devotionals. We're tripping. And the answer, and I was so passionate about it. And like, maybe it's because we're similar dudes born on the same day, uh, <laughs> a few years apart. Uh, but I feel like years. that's that. Like we just get that passion and like everybody stop what you're doing. I figured it out. Listen to me. And I felt like, yeah, but uh, let me talk, let me say this real quick. Cause I got to tell this story since um, I have a platform to tell this story and it's one of my favorite uh, stories. You sure this is the right time? <laughs> you want to go later? <laughs> <laughs> no. So like when I met you, I really felt like you're, you're coming into college and you're just like, I felt like you were super sincere. Like you were really, and I didn't know you at the level, you know, I'm an older guy working at the college and I thought, man, this guy is just like a nice guy, super sincere. And often I misjudge people because they are a certain way around me. And then when they're not around me, they're just, you know, I know how people used to think about old rich, but I was coaching basketball that year. And uh, you've gone to try out. (laughs) Oh, wait, actually, before, I will say this as well. My identity was definitely in basketball. That was like, I like, that was everything to me. So, good. Okay, so we're doing the basketball tryouts. And the first tryout of the season, like, the coach really wants to make it so, like, this is not a joke. Like, he wants to weed out all the people who are not about it. And so there's, like, drills that um, have no business being on a basketball uh, tryout. It's more like football or cross country or something like that. And, like, there's this, like, sprint down the sideline and then defensive slide across the court. And you do that, and then you run a sweet 16, which is, like, you run from sideline to sideline 16 times, and you try to get under a minute. And then when you think all that is done, the coach pulls out these harnesses, and the harnesses are the killer. But, like, you got to show that, like, you're super team-oriented and you're just all about it. And I think... You'd got on a harness with a dude like he's he's got the reins and he's pulling you. I mean, he's mm-hmm. uh, behind you and you're like supposed to drive your legs and pump them like super hard. And I think you got like a dude that was a little bigger than you mm-hmm. and you were just pumping and pumping and pumping. And it is the most tiring thing ever. And mm-hmm. that's like this uh, dude is trying to like stop you because the, the rule, the the whole thing was you had to get to to half court or maybe across the whole court across the whole and yeah it was across the whole court and the coach was saying if you let up and you try to help this dude out by not pulling all the way you are failing him as a teammate and i will see that and you won't and like i'll make sure that i i keep a mental note of that and so this dude's really like pulling me hard as i'm trying to push across to the court this is where we pull the trash cans out because we know like it might get ugly and like 
that goes on. And then as a coach, you got to know, like, you got to judge it. Like, are these guys like about to die? Like, how hard are we pushing these boys? Uh, and I started to look around and I noticed you weren't there. I'm like, where's the, and I don't think I really knew your name. And I'm like, where, where is that guy? And I go into the bathroom and there's this guy. It's not you, but he's just sitting against the air conditioner. Like it looks like he's about to die. Like he's having a heat stroke or something. Yeah, he had asthma, actually. Yeah, I didn't know. He Mild asthma, but asthma. So he's sitting there, and I look at him like, oh, shoot. Like, that's not great. Like, we can't, you know, we got to make sure this kid's okay. And then you stick your head out of the stall, and you're like, hey, I'm throwing up. And I don't know why it was the funniest thing to me. And I was just like, good man, like, we'll see you out there. Just like, take your time, I guess. Um, but that was like this impression, like very early on. I'm like, oh, this dude's like super sincere. He's super nice. He's super like just a good dude. Um, Cause you were at basketball tryouts giving your all and you didn't, it didn't matter to you if you were throwing up or anything. So that's like my first impression of you at union where I worked and you were a student and then you uh, started coming around debating stuff. Like you would come to my office and we would sit down and I probably tried to act like I knew everything and you were nice enough to not really argue too much, but we kind of started to, I don't know, we started talking about relationships or something. That's how mm-hmm. most yeah. of the time. Yeah, you and I were like, we both loved talking about relationships, 100%. Yeah, man, and I didn't don't I didn't know much about it. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, you led me down the wrong path, bro. It, so, this guy, super sincere, I felt, but um, like, what was starting to develop in you then, as you had left high school and now you're on your own in college? Yeah, I mean, that like that thing that I was saying when I. I started to get that, get this passion for God. That was more than just like, okay, spend some time with him. Um, and kind of say the right things. Like I, there was nothing, nothing was really like real to me. No, no aspect of my relationship with God was real except for turning the pages in the Bible and saying the exact same, like saying the exact same intro to the prayer. I can't remember what it was at this point, but I remember always saying the same exact thing. And then maybe re maybe like asking for something here and there um in the prayer and so then i get this like fire this passion for god and i'm definitely like all right i'm done i'm done doing anything that is is a bad that's like for bad um i guess christians i guess right like anything that is sinful i'm done with it hmm. um and i mean it didn't work out the greatest but you know i I, I at least was trying at this point um, to not do things with women, to not fool around. And especially, I mean, it helped, right? Like that my girlfriend at the time was not about fooling around at all. Like definitely not, not about it. Um, and so it, was, it helped that I was dating her. Um, so then I'm, you know, like I'm going through college and, 
trying to be passionate and conservative. I'm just getting like more and more conservative. And I honestly remember there was one point that I was walking through the hall and I remember thinking to myself, man, I'm, I don't think I remember like saying the word conservative. But I was like, man, if this is how I think now, what's it going to be like when I'm old? Like people are going to hate being around me because in my mind, as you got older, you got more conservative. That's just how it was. Every, every older person, every older religious person was conservative and the young people were the liberals. And so I was like, uh, when I get old, that's going to, it's going to be bad. People aren't going to want to be around me because I'm just going to be condemning everybody. I was like, dang, ah, well, I still believe what I believe. I can't (laughs) help it. So I just, so like, that's, I knew to an extent, you know, like that I was not fun in my views, right? Like my views, it was just about, like had always been about doing what's right. This is what's right. You got to do this. You're talking about love too much. You got to do what's right. Like there's a whole bunch of stories about just like times where I, I definitely, definitely was not about Tyler's theology. Um, Wait, let's not get there just yet. Oh, okay. Oh, We're, okay. We because there's this there's this middle death section mm-hmm. where both of you and I were living in death. Like you, mm-hmm. uh, you were the next year you were on the basketball team as like a, a manager, and I was the girls' coach. No, no, we were no, no we were the the you were the boys' manager, and I was assistant boys' coach. The next mm-hmm. year was my last year at Union, and. I was like going to be working at an academy. I didn't know anything about it. And so like at the last second, I'm like, let me talk to this dude, Millsap. And when we, like you graciously said yes. And this year, it's kind of just like, it was a crazy year. There were so many, uh, it was just like learning for me. And like with you, like I realized we had got there and you and I worked pretty closely together. Like, like I needed your help big time that year. And we would sit down in the office and like there was a bunch of tough stuff going on, just trying to manage the dorm and, and do all of this stuff. But you, I, like this picture just kept coming out of how legalistic you were. <laughs> like you were super legalistic. And you and I both started talking about like porn. And we're just like, yeah, man. Like, we both know it's not good. We both admitted, like, yeah, man, I struggle from time to time with that. And we were kind of like, I would try to give you advice. Meanwhile, like, like I would give you advice, like, during the time where it was going solid. And then when it wasn't going solid, I remember this one time I went down to your room and I was just like, yeah, man, it's not going well. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like we were both sitting there in our just, like, yeah, but we can't give up. But it was the low time before the we can't give up. And I'm supposed to have like way older than you and I'm supposed to be able to teach you. But we had gotten a certain friendship so that I was able to actually open up a little bit and be like, yeah, man, I'm actually. And I hadn't really told anybody about any of this Mm -hmm. stuff. And um, but then it just kept coming out how legalistic you were. And so I'm like trying to teach you like, nah, man, like, you're legalistic as a mug. And I tried to give you these books to read and I'm just thinking about it now. And it sounds after knowing what we know now about who God is and how he works and what 
he did at the cross. Those boys were really trying, but they they didn't really have any answers. Like I had some idea of an answer. I knew that God wasn't legalistic. Like I didn't I knew Christianity wasn't supposed to be legalistic. But tell me about like that. Like we're both there, we're both struggling and you were super lonely. Um talk to me about what that year did to you. Yeah, let, so let me just just rewind a little bit. So, like I said, I definitely my vice was lust, right? Um and so I because my my vice was lust, I had actually I think it was at the age of 9 is when I started to like actually watch porn and um the stuff that comes with it. Yeah. Right. So like it it had been heavy, it had just lust and all of that LUST as as the people on this on this pod like to call it. <laughs> uh that LUST was just a part of my life from the get-go. Like I don't remember a time where I didn't think about girls and stuff like that. And it just by the time that it w- I was nine, um, because the people around me, they were watching it, they were showing it to me. Um, and so I was like, what the and I was like, no way, blah, blah, blah. But then eventually it took hold and it was like, oh, okay. Um, and so from, from, from nine until, I mean, it's, it's just been such a long time. Like starting at nine, I had just been struggling with porn and that's so early, man. That's so young. Yeah. Whenever it's crazy. It really is like, there's a whole conversation just about, about like how to, I think how to do it right, maybe with like younger people. Um, but anyways, um, so I'm struggling with this and in college from the start, like I'm, I'm struggling with this and I, I had been coming to your office for one of two things. Primarily we got close because of, because of two different things, um, relationships, talking about relationships and just talking about different stuff and then talking about, um, pornography like you know l-u-s-t and you were definitely helping me out with that and like you said you hadn't said anything to me so i was like oh in my mind it was super vague i was like has this dude conquered this issue because i didn't know you were just giving me advice give me advice give me advice but i never asked you and i didn't want to i I felt like if you hadn't said it, i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna pry and make you feel awkward um but i had been struggling and you had been one of the people that that was with me in that the most and we had it's so funny because i i was i listened to ben's and connor's um podcast and just like them i i had an accountability group right like there's an accountability group um i can't remember if you were technically a part of it but there's a group of us guys and because like you were that dude like you for to me you were number one person helping me through this um because it was just ush like it was it was a struggle and i knew it was i wanted to stop and and it just it it wasn't stopping i was trying really hard to just white knuckle it um and yeah and so we had gotten a lot we had gotten really close with that because of that and um so then sophomore year by the time that you had gotten the call to go out there and be the dean for maplewood you were like hey i want you to be my assistant dean 
and it worked out. All of that stuff happened. I was able to go out for a year. And so for a full year, you and I were together. Um, I was your assistant Dean. You were the Dean. This was your first year. This was going to be my only year. Um, and it was, I, I'm not the kind of person to hate things, um, <laughs> to like, really, I'm not the kind of person to, to hate where I'm at, I guess. Like right. I've, I don't think I've ever complained or had issues wherever I'm at because whenever people would have issues with places that they were at, like, let's say we were in high school and there was just too many rules. I would constantly be arguing, what's your problem? Like this, like, it's not a big deal. You know, you're, it's because in your brain you're wild and you just want to be wild and blah, blah, blah. Just listen to the rules, you know? Um, so I was at Maplewood. I didn't find, I didn't have a problem seemingly. It didn't seem like there was a problem, but, um, definitely my, I was definitely lonely. I realized afterwards how lonely I was. Um, I remember the first, the first day I had gotten there, I, I was like, yo, bro, I'm pulling up and I pulled up and you're just, and you had just given me like a, a, a quick introduction. And this is when I realized, I was like, man, we probably really aren't that good of boys then if this, if this is what happened, like, I was like, dang, okay, I guess this is how it's going to be. But I pulled up and I was like, yo, what's up, blah, blah, blah. We, we exchanged the niceties and everything. And you had just told me the stuff that needed to be, that needed to be said, like, oh, here's where your room is going to be, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I was like thinking, okay, like I've never been away from my homeboys. Like I had lived in a dorm for the last five, six years of my life. Um, and so I was always around my dudes, like my guys, my friends. And then as soon as I get there, cause I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm in a new place. I need the comfort of being with a friend, <laughs> bro. And you were just like, we had gotten done just like saying the what's ups and you telling me what to do. And you're like, all right, well, I'm gonna go inside and hang out with my wife. See ya. And I was like, uh, well, see ya. Uh, I was like, all right. And so I just go and I, and I just like, I'm in this new place, dead lonely. And I, I don't, I don't even know that that's what I'm feeling. I don't even know that I'm feeling loneliness. I'm just feeling loneliness and I'm just like, okay. And then we get up the next day and we start working on the dorm, doing whatever. Cause it was before the school year had started. Right. Um, but that whole year was mad lonely. And the two ways that I coped with it was, <laughs> and you love to dog me on this one, was Burger food. <laughs> yeah, get it right, bro. It was Hardee's. <laughs> okay, Hardee's. Hardee's. I, it was food and because food and pornography. Um, and food was definitely like, yo, Hardee's had this four for four deal. <laughs> you were telling me about it, bro. You would come yeah. to the door and be like, Rich, man, you're tripping. <laughs> Hardee's is where it's at, my guy. One hundred percent. You got a you got a chicken sandwich. You got a burger, fries, and a drink for four bucks. One hundred percent, bro. Like if I could save money and have my food, yeah, one hundred percent. So what I would do in order to cope was I would watch. I would get that. I would get Hardee's any break that I could. There were sometimes where I literally had Hardee's. I think two times a day. Oh my um, goodness. And, and then other, t- I think there was like maybe one time where I had it like three times, oh my three goodness. times in one day. But what I would do is whenever I was on my break, like when I wasn't deaning, when I wasn't either in a class for some reason or in an office or in the, the, the dorms office doing work, I'd go to my room, my little dorm room, my little like guest dorm room. And I would watch some anime and eat Hardee's. 
it, because I needed what I what I learned was that with people that have like this sort of stuff, either anxiety or like loneliness and stuff, they need comfort, and the comfort is in things that are um, that you like that you know. You get comfort in the things that you know, and so there was definitely that and pornography. Um, and so here I was doing that, um, all the different stuff and spending the time with you. And honestly, in my brain, I was like, no way you think I'm legalistic. Like, I was like, I've come such a long way. I definitely know that it's all about a relationship and that's it. But like, at the same time, you still got to do what you got to do. And I definitely just had those traditional things, right? Like I didn't see myself, I saw myself as conservative, but not legalistic. Because I was like, uh, I don't think that salvation is found in. But I mean, I was, I you, was, I just did. I didn't know understand that. It. No legalistic person has ever been like, yeah, I'm super legalistic. <laughs> no, one hundred percent. Like one hundred percent of legalistic people do not believe they're legalistic. It's, yes, 100%. like yeah. it, they would if they knew that. Like they're almost against it in many ways. Like, oh, legalism mm. that would be legalism, but they don't understand. Um, yeah. And I gave you a book towards the end of the year. I gave you that Morris Vendon book called "It's Who You Know," and we would and we, was, argued, I, we argued about I it a little it. bit. Do you Take remember? It. Do you remember arguing about it? Arguing about the book? No. Ah, uh, no, no, no. I remember one argument, and I don't know if it was about the book. I remember you. I remember Morris Vendon had brought this topic up in his book, so maybe this is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But that Isaiah fifty nine two verse that says. Um, your sins have separated you from your God. Hmm. And I remember talking about that and you were like, yeah, but, and honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like you can really explain it all that. Well, I don't remember you being able to explain sure it all I that could. well, but yeah. And I was just like, nah, bro, your sins are what separates you from God. You've got to blah, blah, blah. Like, like you've got to stop that sin, all this different stuff. Um, I remember arguing about that. I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Were you super mad at yourself? Because you're like, you got to stop that sin. Let me go eat this Hardee's and, and watch some terrible stuff. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think so. I, I think I was. And one thing that might have um, played a part in this is I was still in the accountability group um, when we were when we were at, at that place together, um, Deaning. And I remember it got to the point where one of the, one of the things that we would do was, Hey, everybody, we don't want to make it a negative if you watched porn, but we want to make it a positive if you don't watch porn. Right. So it was, all right, here you have a goal. And the goal is, you know, like you set your own goal. You want to do something like, let's say you want to go and you want to go to this concert. Um, or let's say you want to buy this thing. Well, if you go this long without watching porn, then you can go buy this thing. Um, but if you watch porn, then you can't buy that thing. You done messed up. Right. And so like I would fail and I would, it was like you, you had to go this long without doing it. So you, you would, you, fail hit a goal. And then you would lie to your friends so you could go do the thing that you wanted. And it hadn't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> yet. Not, not in this part of the story. <laughs> Good guess though. Uh, but I, so it would be that if we messed up, we messed up our own goals. And I think that for the most part, I could get to that. I could, I could get to that. Um, but then in between goals, like 
I was going crazy. Um, but it got to a point where, yeah, we were failing pretty often. Whenever we'd failed, we always had to, we always had to tell the group I failed. Um, and then it got to the point where the pretty much the older person, like this was, it definitely like this one at this point, you weren't in it. I don't know if you ever were just like there to encourage us in the group, but the oldest person in the group, um, who at that point had just graduated, he was like, all right, this is it. We got to buckle down. We all set a, we all set a goal for ourselves. And if anybody messes up in the group, none of us get our goals. None of us get what we, none of us get what we set as our goal. Like, and some and I think somebody in the group was like, yo, I got a concert, bro. I got a, I got a concert I got to go to, or like, I got this motorbike that I want to buy. Um, and so then at that point it started to get to like, yeah, definitely. Like, I think people just weren't saying anything. You, there wasn't any lying involved necessarily. Like I didn't say, no, I didn't watch anything. You just didn't say anything. And it got to the point where it was just like dissipating, you know? And it's just like, it was pretty tense. I think because I was just talking to a friend of mine who was in that group and he was the, the oldest guy that I talked about. Um, this friend of mine apparently had a pretty bad impression of him because of that group. The first impression that they had was us being in that group together. And apparently like the, the, the oldest dude in the group was, I didn't realize was not nice about it. Um, he had called, I think he had called my friend out about it, about something. And it just was a bad taste. Like it was just kind of a pretty, pretty tense group. And I think that I would get mad in that regard. Yeah. Like I'd get mad at myself for failing like that. So I want to fast forward a little bit and get to this point where you're now starting to hear, like you said, you were not down with Tyler's theology. And if you don't know who Tyler is, listen to episode one. He's a guy who had, if you don't know who Tyler is, I'm amazed that you're this, you're listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just call it like it is. Uh, like you, you start hearing, what are the first rumblings of things that you're hearing from him? Or, or what did he say to you that you were just like, no. Nah, so hmm. here's the thing. I wasn't about Tyler's theology from day one. Like he was never, he wasn't a conservative and I was. And so because of that, I was just not about it. I remember there's like a verse in, in James that I was crazy about. I was crazy about, um, faith without works. I think, right. Like show me your faith without, you know, however it goes, faith without works is dead. Right. And he had gotten up front and he had said something and he had quoted that verse mockingly. He said something like, it's about your faith, blah, blah, blah. He had said something about like, it's it's about your faith. And then he said, but what about this verse where it says, well, faith without works is dead. And he said it just like that. Not a big deal. But to me, you just mocked the Bible. You just mockingly quoted the Bible. And like, I just was not about his theology at all because he was liberal and i was conservative seemingly liberal right like and so i was a conservative and anyways not about it but eventually we kind of get like tyler and i i don't know if he feels the same way i never felt fully comfortable with tyler um it just it always seemed kind of awkward because i felt like i had his personality but when he was around i couldn't have that personality because you couldn't have two people with that personality um and so it was just kind of awkward every time it'd be like oh are you gonna do the weird are you gonna like be extroverted am i gonna have to be introverted what's happening because i 
yeah, anyways. You both had this in common that you needed other people to like you for you to be okay. And I can say the same thing. Like we all kind of had that. There's so many people. I, I mean, but yeah. it's not even like, that's like everybody. That's common. Yeah. yeah. It, which is funny because everybody, especially after that year that, that we were at Maplewood together, Deaning, everybody was like, oh my gosh, are you a mini Richard? Because our personalities are pretty similar right um you me and tyler i think although you, like i'm not saying that we're the three closest friends but in regards to our personalities mm-hmm. yeah like i would say our personalities are pretty similar and so people are always like back that's something like that, me <laughs> say what you came back talking like me yeah i was like what up rudy poo what mug and all that good stuff you know um <laughs> nah people just definitely were just like okay you two are very similar um but yeah, fast forward. I am a recruiter for union. So I took Tyler's job after he left, which interestingly enough, Tyler took your job after you left. And wow, we really are very similar. We have the same birthday <laughs> and everything. Um, so Tyler goes on to a different job. I graduate from union and I take the I take the position as as recruiter for Union. Um, and I had a recruiting trip down to Kansas City, which Kansas City is three three hours away from Union College in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so on this trip, I'm also taking Tyler and a couple other people to do music. So we're doing some. The school is putting on a a church. Um, a church service for a church down in Kansas city. Tyler's musically talented and he's also a really good leader. So he was, he was leading out in worship um, and he brought a crew and I was there to recruit for the college. So we had a three hour ride in 19, isn't it? Say again. This is, well, this is fall of 2018 probably. I think that this was 2019 at this point, to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure it's 2019 at this point. Um, oh, you, you may be right. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So I am in this car ride with Tyler. Tyler's in the passenger, in the passenger seat and I'm, I'm in the van, I'm driving the van and he starts talking to me and he starts saying some whack stuff. <laughs> he was saying stuff like, bro, sin doesn't exist. Sin doesn't exist anymore. Oh, that is. And I was stuff. like. Say what? That is whack stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he and he is like, yeah, bro, I definitely talked to you about it the wrong way. But he starts telling me this stuff like sin doesn't exist and Christians don't sin. And I'm like, like, it's just he's coming at me hard. And I'm a conservative. Like, I'm a conservative Christian. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna hear this. And I love debating. Like, I love arguing. Um and I'm just like the whole three hours, just nah, bro, you're wrong. No way. But it's an interesting conversation. And along the way in the conversation, he's talking to me about as well, how his life had changed. And I was like, that's dope, bro. Like that. I mean, that is cool. And at this time I was actually a, um, I was actually a Sabbath school leader. Like I was, 
I was a part of this this like low key at some point dying church, um, and I was the young adult leader of the church, and mm-hmm. we had brought quite a few young adults into the church, but they weren't interested in the church. They were just interested in in doing Sabbath school. So that was like our main thing that we did. We did we put on we held we held Sabbath school for the church, and we get young adults to come through. And I was the teacher, the leader of the young adult group, and Tyler's talking about this trash, in my opinion, at that time. And um, I'm just like having none of it. But at the same time, I'm listening to to him talking about how his life has changed. And I remember asking, we were talking about like helping those in need. And I was like, you've got to help those in need, like absolutely have to help those in need. Yes, yes, yes. And he's like, well, is helping people in need is that a requirement to get into heaven? Like, is that a requirement? I was like, from what I see in the Bible, yeah. Like everything for me was a requirement to get into heaven. So to me, that was almost like a no brainer. Like, yeah, God says it very explicitly. If he says it in the Bible, if he says to do it in the Bible and you're not doing it, that's going to keep you out of heaven for sure. What for me, you couldn't work your way into heaven, but you could definitely work your way out. You know, so if there's something that you, if there's something that you knew that you had to do and you weren't doing it, you were technically working your way out. Or if you were doing something, you were working your way out of heaven. Um, And that was constantly happening, right? Like we were always, to me, everybody's always working their way out of heaven and they just need to ask for forgiveness and God will, will bring them back reluctantly. And so I was like, yeah, definitely a requirement to get into heaven is to, is to help people. And he was like, well, that's where you're wrong. Like that's at that point. No, it's not a requirement. Um, cause he was like, anything that you feel is a requirement for you to get into heaven. That's wrong. And I was like, okay, but the Bible says you have to do it. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, is the way that you're thinking, helping you, helping you help people out. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I, I do help people out more now. Not by thinking it's a requirement. And I was like, I was like, okay, you're lying to me. Like I, I was definitely like, nah, you're, you're straight up lying to me then. I know you're just trying to like make it seem that way so that you can seem like the better person and that it really does help, but you're lying to me. Um, but at the same time, like I thought he was bluffing, but something was different about him. And so I, what then happened was I, and I just want to say, if you're listening to this um, and you're just like, did Tyler really say that sin doesn't exist? And you know, some of the, we were really learning a lot and Mm -hmm. we were um, talking about it with people that were close to us, but we can freely admit like, while the words we were saying were not incorrect, we did not know what they, (laughs) wait, I forget how the line goes. While I am not wrong, those words did not mean what I thought they did. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this stuff was just like, just like new ideas and concepts. Cause like Jonathan would say something anyway. So like, I just wanted to give that caveat, but continue. Yeah. So he was telling me stuff, but I, I, I knew that something was different. Like he was telling me about how his life was changed. I was like, all right, well, I don't really agree with you, but it's cool that your life has changed. So, come come teach at sabbath school because and i wasn't going to be able it wasn't sustainable for me to be the sabbath school teacher every single saturday Mm -hmm. i couldn't do that so i I was always looking for people to help me out 
And Tyler was talking about some stuff, and I was like, "All right, bro, come teach Sabbath school." Um, and this was this was at the like pretty soon after he had understood um, his freedom and what that meant for him, and his life changed. And so, this was like the start. I I, I really think that like no, this this was the start of everything in Lincoln like just popping off. Um was I asked him to be the Sabbath school teacher and he started to teach and it was going well. Like we definitely, I, I was like, okay, slowly, but surely I was like, okay, what about this? What about this? I just, I didn't super agree, but what were things I was that letting were it opening up? What were things that were just like, Oh, like changing how you thought about some things. I don't honestly, I don't know. I just think that there were some times where Tyler's a great teacher. He's, he's an incredible teacher and I just remember, and I just know I was thinking to myself like, yo, that that's a good illustration. That sounds nice. Um, that kind of stuff. But outside of Sabbath school and everything, he would come over. Like we were getting close for sure. Um, you could tell that he saw that for me, it was starting to like really get in, um, really get into my brain, or at least I was just softening up. Maybe I, I don't think I agreed with him, but I was softening up and we would, he would just come over to my place and we would be talking about it until like 11 p.m and if you know me my bedtime is like nine so kind of wild (laughs) stuff um and we would be talking about it late at night and there was this one night where it changed everything and we were re we were talking and he had said something and we were trying to figure out where this verse is um, from glory to glory, mm-hmm. right? You'll be transformed from glory to glory. And um, I remember that he was like, okay, we, I was looking it up. I'm like, okay, where's this verse found? Where's this verse found? And I found out that it was in second Corinthians three, but mm-hmm. for some reason I didn't, I, I don't know why, you know, maybe the Lord had blinded me to like the actual specific verse, but I was just like, okay, second Corinthians three, it's, it's there. And I, we were like looking for it. We couldn't find it because it's the very last verse of that chapter. But I was like, all right, let's just read the whole thing. Let's just, let's just, let's go through the whole thing. And I was like, okay. Um, And so we're, yeah. And so we're reading it and second Corinthians. And I mean, if it's, if it's the wrong verse, then don't quote me. I apologize. Uh, But we're in second Corinthians three um, and we get down to verse five where it says that not that we count our adequacy as coming from ourselves, but he has made us adequate. And I was like, hold up. And I pause and I'm just tearing up because it was then at that moment that I had realized that the past tense was used and that meant something about me. Hmm. That meant that I was adequate. And I don't necessarily use this verse anymore because there's, I think in second, I think in Colossians, it says it even better, right? In in Colossians 2.10, it says, and we have, and we are fullness of, of deity dwells in Jesus. And in him, we have been made complete or we have been made full. Um, 
this idea, that idea hit me that like, I don't know why I didn't feel like I was struggling with that at all with that, with this idea of not being enough necessarily. Like I didn't, it didn't ever like actually pop into my head that I'm not enough, but that verse hit me where I have been made adequate past tense. And that just like opened it up for me. I started to like, I started to to tear up and I was like, Oh my gosh. And we just stopped. And Tyler, when he, when he talks about it, like when we're talking about it together, he talks about it. He's like, he's, he's saying, he's like, I didn't even know what Ryan saw in that verse because I mean, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, cause I, I mean, he had, I, I don't know if he had read that verse at that point yet, but for him, it didn't hit. But for me, it hit at that moment. And I had realized that I am enough that I haven't made adequate. And I can't fully tell you like what all that unraveled in me or anything. It's just, I knew that at that point, that was the starting point. That was where I knew that I was planted and that I was going to be growing in that completion. I was mm-hmm. complete and now I just needed to learn about it, which funny enough, um, I didn't fully grasp that idea because then after that, really what I latched onto for quite some time was that the law didn't condemn me romans 8 1 right like there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and romans 7 talking about how we're dead to the law um we were made to die to the law and the law the law didn't condemn me right like that's what i had really latched on to and so i was like oh dope because especially me being a legalist being a conservative the law was huge absolutely like big time law was huge and so for me that was definitely a game changer um but I didn't, I hadn't felt the freedom of, of knowing that I was like, I, like I said, it opened it up that, that second Corinthians verse definitely opened it up for me, but I didn't fully comprehend that I have actually been changed. I simply glatched onto this idea that I wasn't condemned by the law. And that definitely changed how I view, how I viewed God. I remember talking to people and being like, yo, check this out. Because all I had known at that point was law, law, law. And so when I changed from la 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 to you don't, you're not condemned by the law, I was telling people about it, like, yo, you're not condemned by the law. That's so dope. Like, think about it. And if you if this doesn't do something for you, then you're not thinking about it right. And they were like, We've like this is how I was raised. And I was like, Yeah, that I in my mind, I was like, Yeah, that definitely shows that that's how you were raised, that you that you weren't condemned by the law. Cause look at how you live, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. Um but they were like, that's, we've, we've already heard that. Like, we know that. And I just didn't understand why that wasn't hitting with people. Um, because I hadn't yet fully understood that I had, that my life had been actually transformed at the cross. That, that I was a whole new person. I was a new creation. My heart was, was replaced. Um, that, that Jesus lives in me and what that means. And that I have been freed from all of my vices, from everything that I, that I was doing before I hadn't understood that. I just thought I'm, I'm free from condemnation, but you know, like, I guess I'm still struggle. I have a very vivid memory of our conversation where you and I were talking about freedom from sin and you were not grasping it. Mm. Do you remember, like, this is probably one of the only long phone conversations that we had and this was definitely fall 2019. Um, yeah. So I remember, cause I remember that you had jumped on this and I was like, because 
you had definitely, I'm pretty sure you had heard about it, or at least I was not made aware that you were about this freedom Mm -hmm. until after, you know, like things had kind of opened up with me. And so I saw that you started posting some stuff and that you were about it. But at this point, to be honest with you, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about it, I had felt a, from, you know, deaning together to this point, I had felt separation from you. I felt like, you know, yeah, you didn't we want to. as tight anymore. Nah, so it felt really awkward, but I was like, but low-key, there's still something. And so I remember I had ca- I had called Tyler, and he couldn't talk or something. I was like, all right, I'm going to call Rich. You texted me, and I'm like, let me talk to you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. I texted you like, yo, bro, what's this thing? Uh-huh. And you had we had talked on the phone, and I remember, because this is you've you've kept your same intensity maybe not anymore but from what i remember you had that intensity of yo i'm gonna be like you definitely were uh like okay here's how it is you free you like you definitely kept on asking like are you free are you free like are you free um in a way that was seemingly like you wanted it then and there for me to fully like really understand everything um and we had this conversation and you definitely, it definitely opened up to me. Like that conversation was how I view it as like the second gate of, of understanding really a lot of stuff. Um, more of like that actual freedom and that I am, I am complete. I am full. My life is transformed and changed. Well, I um, think the, 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 the highlight for me in that conversation is a conversation that there's pretty much one thing I remember about it. And it's that I called you out for something. And I said, the reason you're not believing this is because of this. And I I didn't know you had been dealing with this thing, but I called out a, a, a sin that you had been living in and the phone went silent. And you were like, uh-huh. And it was the same reason why most people don't understand they're free from sin. Mm-hmm. It's because they're still practicing it. Mm. And so I was like, like, I got, I don't know if I was kind of nervous and I was just like, well, this is the reason, Ryan, that you don't get this. And after that, you were like, hmm, because it was the old believe the Bible over your life kind of thing. And then the next weekend we were up in Lincoln together and we were able to chat about it some more. And all of these things were just like, like I feel bad in some ways because, but and not really because you were walking through this thing with us, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like we were learning how to talk to people, and there's some people I talk to <laughs> that I learned the hard way I should have never talked to that person, mm, like, yeah. but I don't know how I would have learned it without making that mistake. I guess someone could have said, yeah, you don't, you, you know, you only go where you're invited. And we're just like sitting there thinking like, like, cause we were just geeked, bro. Like when you texted me, I was like, I don't give a flip what I'm doing. I'm going to call this dude right now because I was mm-hmm. so like, cause God had changed my life in like this. And it, it, this is like probably a week or two after Natalie, like, like Natalie and I have this, revelation you use that example i remember that i was like what and so like if i was ever going to be just like guns blazing 
in the ne- like the month of October 2019, like Tyler and I still joke about it. We used to say, oh, we messed up a lot. Now we don't really even position it like that. But we were like fast and the furious full throttle, just like dodgeball mm, and not really understanding who to talk to about it and not really understanding how to talk about it. But we were just like our lives had been changed. Morgan, like I'd seen this miracle in front of my eyes where Morgan doesn't divorce Tyler. And then my wife receives a revelation of God's love for her. And I was like, yo, I have now seen two miracles in two days and nothing's going to stop me. Um, And so in some ways I'm like, man, we really didn't know how to talk about it. But in other ways, I'm like, we had to learn like that. And so I don't feel bad or regretted or anything. Um, But you were like, in the crosshairs. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, wouldn't say that you had, that you had gone hard to a point of offense. Like you never, it was just like, in my mind, I was like, this dude's really trying to like do something here. I was like, I'm just trying to understand a little bit better. I'm not trying to have nothing done to me. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to grasp this concept. Like when, to be honest, and that's kind of how the way that it's gone for me is that nothing had happened in an instant. Right. Like it was never a, oh, my life like did a, a a 180 immediately. It was a, I was grounded. I was rooted. And I am, as I've come, as I come to understand better and better, I'm living better and better. Um, Hmm. So it was for me, it was like, it seemed like a slow fade, which is funny because I would compare myself to everybody else and be like, why? Why is, why am I not like that? Like, why didn't happen? It why, why, why does it seem like mine's a process? Because in my mind, I was like, no, it's not a process. But experientially for me, it was a process. Um, but I know that it's not a process. The only process for me was an understanding my salvation, my holiness, my righteousness, my perfection, my completion, my, my everything, not a process done in a moment but it was my understanding that I needed to um, it was in my understanding that that was just becoming more of a process. So like this dude, um, this author watchman knee that you had recommended to me, he gives an example where, and I think he uses a chair, but how I see it now is I was, I had just, I just moved to California, but in my old place in Lincoln, I had put together a dining room set. I put together the chairs and the chairs seem like a little bit thin, like the, the legs seem pretty thin. And the example is when you see that chair, like when I first built that chair, I, every single, like when I first built it, I would look at it and I would sit on it, but I would sit on it very cautiously. I would have to put a lot of faith into that chair. Like I'd have to be like, okay, it's going to hold me. I, I'd like slowly get into the chair and I would sit down and be like, okay, we good. And as time went on, I was learning to just really, without even thinking about it, just get in that chair. And then eventually just got to a point where you just never thought about it. You just sat in the chair. And that's how it, that's how it had been for me. It was okay. Like I had for me a a big part, like I said, because intelligence, you needed to see me as intelligent. And if you didn't, I would get very mad. 
like if you insulted my intelligence, I was very angry. I was very impatient. Like that was just not how it was just really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd get impatient with my, with my wife and everything. Um, and it got, it was like, okay, impatience would rise up and I'd be like, God, you did not make me impatient. You've made me a patient person. I am patient. I feel impatience right now, but you have made me patient. So I thank you. And the, 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 the feelings of anger would go away and eventually just got to the point where I stopped having to ask that much. And it was just like, I was just naturally not getting impatient. Um, and that's how my life lived had gone through it in understanding my freedom was that I had knew what I knew what I was. I knew whose I was. I knew who I was, but it took like me fully, um, I guess maybe practicing that, like understanding it through whatever it was. Um, like I understood it and I knew it was in my head, but it took me a little bit of time to really be able to live that out. Dude. When I got convicted of who I was into January 2019, no one was really watching. It's just like conversations that I'm having with Tyler back and forth. And then I start watching Love Reality and I get put on to Dan Moeller and I'm watching all these different things and it's just like coming alive. And then I'm reading Ephesians and I'm reading, like I'm starting to read the Bible differently and I'm like, okay... All of this was taking place where no one is watching and I'm just by myself and occasionally talking to Tyler about it. And then when we get to this point a little over half a year later where my wife gets free, like, and Morgan gets free and like all of this stuff happens, then like we're just kind of, we've been growing in it and growing in it and growing in it. And I think I think understanding the theology, like understanding Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8, Romans 5, Colossians 1, 2, 3, like understanding it is what brings conviction. It brings convictions of God's goodness. But being with God is what changes you. Mm. That's what transforms you. It's not knowing that God did this thing. It's because you know that he did this thing, you're convicted of his goodness. And in that, you just get alone with him. And you spend time with him in the secret place. And you know he's never going to let you down. Mm -hmm. And you know his word is true. And you know what his blood has done and spoken over you, his blood through Jesus. And you know his, how he looks at you and how he sees you like a son. And it's not like, it's not like he, like Jesus is fooling God. God really does see you this way. Mm -hmm. And then you spend that time with him and have him pour that over you. Mm -hmm. And in gratefulness, you like, that's the transforming thing. Like the uh, for me, the transforming thing was sitting there with Ephesians one. It wasn't me knowing, oh, Ephesians one says that. It was me sitting there in the secret place with Ephesians one, 
with Romans 6, with, you know, because like at the end of the day, like everybody who's ever been on this podcast, like the theology was good, but a lot of, some people that on the podcast, like they don't, haven't even really understood the theology as much as uh, like they could, Mm -hmm. but they got alone with him. Mm Mm-hmm. They got loved by him. Like, yeah, that's that. That's one thing for sure. Um, like, that's one of my favorite things about Morgan's testimony, right? Like, she didn't know theology. She didn't care at all, ever. But man, that moment that she was transformed, she was she she knew because the spirit inside of her was G is, is Jesus, and it's telling her. You know, I don't know my Bible very well, but that does not sound like a God of love to me. And and she was right. She'd be right. And she would literally go and she'd look at, you know, a different verse and be like, oh, that's why I thought this. Like, that's that's how I knew that this was not that, that that's not a godly thing. And it tells me right here in the Bible, but she didn't know any of that. Um, And so, yeah, like for me. Time with God was a requirement. But now. Dude, it's just I spend time with God for the same reason I spend time with my wife. I don't feel guilty to spend time. With, I don't. I don't feel guilty into spending time with my wife, um, especially if you're listening to this, babe. I, I love you so much. Um, it's <laughs> I, I like I do it because I just love to. That's the same thing with God, and like I don't know. It's just it, it changes literally everything. Like it doesn't. I think that's a huge fear. Is thinking that you're enough means that you're never going to continue to search for for God so that you can be enough. Like it's this idea that requirements are the way to holiness. I've got to God had to require this thing so that I would do this thing. That's not required. That's who you are. That's your nature. How are you gonna do anything different? Romans 6 literally starts off by saying, So now that we're free, are we gonna continue on sinning? No. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Like, I live my life simply based off of love and gratefulness. And like, just me being me, I am who God says I am. Why am I going to go on doing this thing? Why am I going to, why am I going to live according to these things that I used to believe myself to be a slave to? Like, I'm not, I don't need to, that, that stuff sucked. No matter what, I think that that's a big thing. And cut me off whenever, because I I'll go on for days, but. Like people don't want to sin. People don't want to do that. You don't have to tell them not to do that. They already know not to do it. Help them realize that that's not who they are anymore. And so there's this like fear that, you know, like if, if this isn't a requirement to stop doing this, then what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen. People's lives are going to be changed. That's what's going to happen. That's what has happened over and over and over again. Like I am who God says I am. And that's just completely changed my life. And that's, that's now I am alive because I recognize who I am and what I am. I'm not going to act like a beggar on the street. If I know I'm a prince, you know, like you don't have to tell a prince, you don't, you don't go and convince a prince to stop being, to stop acting like a beggar by, by telling him stop acting like a beggar. Like that's, that's, you know, that's wrong. And you shouldn't do that. No. You tell the prince, you're a prince. 
everything that the king owns is yours. You can come to the kingdom. You can come to the castle and live like that. Anyways. So what do you do when you make a mistake, man? What do you do if you're, you've been living in your feelings? How do you bounce back from that? If, because you, now you know what's true. What's the difference? The difference is that if I make a mistake, if I fall, I don't, I know that I'm not condemned. Condemnation is not, is not God's tool. And so I simply thank him that he's forgiven me, that he loves me and that he's made me more than what I thought that I was. If I mess up, it's because that I, if I start acting like a beggar, it's because for maybe a second, I think I'm a beggar. And if I recognize that that's what happened, then I just thank God. Hey, God, thank you that I'm not a beggar. Thank you that I am a prince and that I am your son. And I just, I believe right. I believe right. And then I live right. Like Dude, that's what happens. The The bounce back is not, is not a process of you recognize, recognizing how sinful you are and then whipping yourself enough times. You're doing this enough times and then going to God and being like, Hey, I messed up, but I made sure I spent enough time getting myself together so I could come to you. What it looks like is no longer I messed up. I better not. I better not tell God. Now it's, hey, I messed up because I thought wrong about myself. Let me go talk to God about it because he'll remind me who I am. That's that. That's a huge thing about the secret place to me, right? Like in Psalms, it tells it. God says in the secret place, I formed you. In the secret place, like I, I I, made you to be who you are. I created you. And so when I spend time with God in the secret place, what he's doing is saying, hey, you know where we are right now? We're in the place that I created you. Hmm. This is where I made you complete. This is where I made you whole. This is where I made you perfect. And this is where I made you my son. And I'm reminded over and over and over again. That's, 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 I, that's just one of my favorite things about the secret place is just being reminded of who I am. Bro, you're, you're super different. Like you're super different. I don't know if you even know how different you are. I don't actually. (laughs) (laughs) Because, and it's just this belief, man. And it's the same energy that you had for judgmental legalism. (laughs) Now you have for righteousness. And like you're here for a specific purpose. We all have the same purpose, but your gifts are different than mine. Like maybe we have a similar personality. Maybe we don't. Your gifts are different. You reach different Mm -hmm. people and your passion. And, and um, like I said, it's all the same purpose and we look like each other because we're both filled with Christ. But I love to see, like it just seems like these last couple of months, like last, I don't know, I haven't been around you a lot, but there's like this rest to you, mm. where both of us, maybe I was a little older, and so I was a little more secure. Like it still was based on however Natalie was feeling about me, and so when mm. she wasn't, I wasn't super secure. But we were both r- wrestling with that insecurity. Um, it was a tough scene. And now, 
I just see you comfortable with Christ in you. Mm-hmm. And so you asked the question of like, what's the bounce back like? And I'll be honest. Um, there was a little, there's a little bit in time um, where I wasn't spending a lot of time with God. That was just was like a whole bunch of stuff happening, whatever. And I was starting to like, I could see my, the way of who I was. Um, Former patterns. Of I started ignorance. to forget who I was. I, at the at the end of the day, I started to forget who I was, and it's been so dope spending time with God and just being reminded, and being able to live live that out because of the fact that I'm reminded. I've been reminded. Like there'd be times where if I felt my intelligence was insulted recently, I'd be like, like angry, you know. And it had happened. This is because I wasn't reminded of who I was, and I just remember who I am. I thank God for what for what He did for me. And I bounce back. Like the bounce back time is incredible. It yeah, like you I don't know if you've seen it. There's a there's a, a dude, I can't I don't watch baseball that much, but there's a dude from the Dodgers. He slid into home base and the home like from the time that he was sliding to the time that he got up, it was mad smooth, crazy smooth. Right? That's the bounce back time for Christians. He was on the he was on the ground for how long? Not long at all. And he made a smooth transition up to his feet. That's our bounce back time. That like that, slide that's how was it is. Crazy. That slide was crazy. I, it, I was I, watching it on, I, it was like on a GIF and I was just watching it or GIF or whatever. On loop. Absolutely. No, man. No, the bounce back time is, is different. And we haven't ran away. We ran to our father. Um, so I love it, man. I would ask you, uh, what would you say to old Ryan sitting in there with the, the four for four dollars. <laughs> what, what what would you tell that dude who's about Man. to just binge out on some anime and some whatever the flip? Just like uh, maybe you got onion rings this time instead of the fries. Who, who's to say? Like, what would you tell that cat if you would bust into room H down there in the Maplewood dorm? What would you say to that dude? Dog Ryan would old Ryan would never listen, <laughs> but I know right now what I struggled with and I would definitely be like, bro, you're not lonely. Like right now you're not lonely. You have God with you all of the time. You're never alone because I didn't, I didn't know that I struggled with loneliness. I, I only just recognized that that was the case. Um, but yeah, Ryan, you, you've never been lonely. You've never, you've never been alone. Like loneliness is not something that God created you for and you've never been without him. And so stop acting like that. Like stop acting like that is the case. You're not alone. Just, yeah, you don't need to, you don't need to cope for your loneliness. Um, yeah. Was that muskrat in your room, dude? <laughs> Nah, the muskrat came into came in from the uh came in from the the like sewage like in in the laundry room. You know how there was that oh uh, yeah in the middle of that that the drain. The muskrat came from the drain. Like I saw it, it peeking its head out. I was like, what the? I didn't know what it was. And then it popped popped out and it just ran into one of the other guest rooms. So this is how we're gonna finish this podcast. Ryan and I were so scared of this muskrat. And the Lord, let's be honest. This is the really scared. uh, Was it you or okay? We're not going to do this. (laughs) 
Can we just talk about how good God is? He made Bill drive up at the perfect time. Just like God dying for the ungodly. Bill was there with a hammer. Let's not, we, no, 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 hold on. Let's not, let's not try to glorify God and give the end of this story. Oh, yeah, Bill Mitchell Wait. did kill that muskrat by throwing a hammer. And he nailed threw a hammer and killed God's creation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank God. Uh, we're, we're gonna end it with, hey, man, I love you, bro. I appreciate you. I love you, bro. Appreciate it. Finna go shoot. Can't stop till we make it to the moon. It's too late, can stop it, it's a boom. No, I cannot wait till you approve. I got people with me on the other side. Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride. Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive. Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive. We stay alive, ayy. Hey.